Future City is made possible by McCormick and Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at McCormickCorporation.com. I'm Charles Robinson, and welcome to Future City, the monthly show here on WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. It's graduation season. It's been nearly two years since we had a formal ceremony. From the tots donning their caps and gowns to middle schoolers making the step to high school or high schoolers going on to college and finally getting that cheap skin from a college or university. To the class of 2022, we salute your academic progress. Trying to make it through any school year can be a challenge. On this show, we want to take a look at a group of West Baltimore students. They are graduating from high school this year. Many of them are going into the STEM fields. They were part of an initial class, which the University of Maryland at Baltimore decided to mentor and change their academic trajectory. Here's Dr. Jay Perman, the chancellor of the University System of Maryland at their graduation ceremony on May the 6th at Westminster Hall in Baltimore. So it was in the next year, 2015, we stood up this program and I met this group of scholars. They were 11 years old, no high school. They were 11 years old, sixth grade. You remember their lab coats where the the sleeves were too long for them? (laughs) I've had the privilege of uh, doing a lot of things up on this stage, but nothing beats this. Let's find out more about the UMB Cure Scholars and their challenges. Here's a clip from a documentary which aired on Maryland Public Television called From West Baltimore. The neighborhood you live in is like, I don't like the neighborhood because you got drug dogs there. When I hear gunshots at night, I'd be scared. And somebody had got shot right in front of that tree that we was um, playing next to. So then the guy that had got shot, he was trying to, before he got shot, he was trying to run up to the park to be safe. But then he didn't get far, so the guy shot him. And the one that got shot, I knew who he was. Anytime you have um, young African-American males in this day and age, you know, it's just like they have a target. The police, they just, Look at the cover. I always tell him, you're a black man. You can't just go out. You just can't hang out in the street. I'm determined to get out of Baltimore. So first and foremost, let me begin with, I am pleased to have as a guest on Future City, Dr. Gia Greer McGinnis. First of all, she is the executive director of the UMB Cure Scholars Program 
Dr. McGinnis, first of all, why don't you tell the audience what the Cure Scholars is and how did it begin? Yeah, so Cure Scholars is a STEM and healthcare career pipeline program for West Baltimore youth. And it was uh, founded in 2015 by Dr. Jay Perman, who's now the chancellor of the University System of Maryland, uh, Dr. Elsie Steins and others uh, in response to the fact that the healthcare and STEM fields um, are really lacking in diversity. And their vision was, you know, how do we create a program that can inspire you know, people that don't usually look like the health professionals that were in the field, get inspired to go into these careers and stay with it for several years and, and graduate and go on to college and career um, to diversify these fields and, and tackle these really uh, challenging health and science uh, problems in the world. I note that I heard Dr. Perriman say at the graduation of this class that, you know, you didn't really know what to do with these young people when you started. Can you talk a little bit about that? And so, so I joined the CURE program in 2019, but Aisha can tell you about kind of the early years of, um, you know, they had never run this kind of program before. And so, you know, you've got 40 something sixth graders, uh, you know that you wanna teach them science lessons. Uh, I think the program kind of refined its curriculum over time. Um, got smarter, you know, like we developed partnerships with other STEM entities to bring in, you know, better opportunities, you know, partnerships like the Applied Physics Lab of Johns Hopkins and others that, you know, brought their talents to the curriculum in the classroom over many years. Um, and so now we're in a good spot. You know, we've had, you know, several years of uh, refining and, and figuring out what activities to do with the scholars. Um, you know, we built internship experiences towards the end of the program. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely, you know, trial and error, but also building those partnerships around the city and across the state to um, strengthen the program over time. Well, one of the graduates of the UMB Cure Scholars Program is Aisha Youssef. Aisha, first of all, when they brought you to this group of young people with all these adults around, what were you thinking? Um, at first, I was very curious like what the program had in mind because I also didn't know about Karen until my mother introduced me to the program. So when I applied, I got the idea like based on the application that it was like, you know, STEM and everything. And I didn't really know that much about STEM until like actually going into the activities and opportunities that we had during the first year. I know that I've seen video of you guys in these oversized lab coats. When they handed you one of them, what was your thought process at that point? Um, if I feel like one at, at that moment, I kind of was like, at first, I wouldn't even imagine myself in middle school having a lab coat on and in a program that, you know, deals with stuff that not even taught like during this time, like this grade level is usually like college, like, you know, um, things like working in a lab, having a lab coat on and like, you know, it was very, you know, eye opening and very interesting. The fact that um, the program like is really into um, 
helping younger students like me, like at the time me and others um, really get into like their career path at a very young age. Dr. McGinnis, I know that this is a program that's had, you know, ups and downs. It's not linear. Can you talk to that whole idea of, you know, sometimes you're going to keep people and sometimes you have to encourage people to stay in? Right. And, um, you know, our scholars, some of them face a lot of challenges in their lives. And one of the things that um, the program did early on was to create a social work component um, to help families when they were struggling and to support the scholars social emotionally, because, you know, it's hard to expect a scholar to keep coming to STEM programming when, oh, the lights are out or not enough to eat. And, you know, we've been successful helping to retain many of the scholars over the years, but others have felt like, you know, they have to move on or, um, you know, they need to prioritize other things. Um, we've been really successful retaining students. Um, I think because of that social emotional support component, you know, how can we help you be successful? And it's not just about the science you're doing in the classroom. Aisha, I want to talk about what your world was like at the beginning and how it's different now. You know, uh, obviously the predominant music of the period was rap. I'm assuming that your colleagues uh, who are in the program, they probably spit a few lines to you. Tell me what it was like getting up on a Saturday morning and having to go to these programs. At first, I was excited because our school didn't have like any like opportunities like this offered to us. So it was like one of the, I guess, one of the first opportunities like uh, outside of like extracurricular um, activity or like, you know, program that students could participate in, but only it was a few of us. So I was really like excited, like beginning and um, beginning of the program. And then it kind of started like, okay, we could go every single Saturday, got to get up early in the morning and everything. But then I started to be like, become like more like grateful as like the days went, like, days went on as I got older, because the opportunities has shaped the person I am today. Dr. McGinnis, what did you see as the challenges that the school had to face versus the challenges that the kids had to face? You know, so UMB is a university, right? So how do you run community-based programming in a university context? You know, we're paying for things that aren't typically paid for, like, okay, we're going to Hershey Park for STEM day, right? That's not something universities do, right? Or, you know, we have an emergency fund now for our families. So we were helping a family this week with an eviction prevention. Okay, a university is like helping a family with, like an eviction prevention issue, like a social service agency word. So the university has also learned over time how to work this program into the state system and like, okay, it's kind of like a nonprofit dropped into a university and, um, you know, learning about, you know, how to get things paid. Okay. Oh, you're hiring a public school teacher, you know, not a faculty member. So like, okay, what's the system for that? So, um, you know, the university has um, definitely learned over time, both through our program and the community engagement center, like how do, how do we do these things? <laughs> how do we function like a nonprofit social service agency, but in the kind of clothing of a university? I want to continue on that. 
concept because one of the things you did was you introduced these young people to seasoned professionals. How does that work? So it works in many different ways. So sometimes it's formal. So Aisha has a mentor that she can tell you about uh, where she's like paired with a, with a in her case, it's a, a long-term college student um, and they kind of work with them on the side in a very intentional way through mentorship. Um, but we also have lots of faculty that want to just come into the classroom and, and talk about their career or open up their lab space. Uh, so we've taken scholars on all sorts of tours of UMB labs, you know, neurology, um, orthopedics. Um, you know, they got to play with the Da Vinci surgical robot for our middle school program before the right before the pandemic. So things that like the general public would never get to see, uh, they allow middle and high school students to kind of enter that universe and, and see what it's really like and be hands-on with it. Aisha, obviously your mentor has meant a great deal to you. Can you talk about that person and, 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 and what that person means to you? Yes, um, my mentor, her name is Miss Kat, and um, we've, she's done so much for me, for example, when it comes to, since she's like, uh, she just got her PhD actually. And uh, recently I was very like, um, into like knowing the process of um, how to like a medical student and everything what they have to go through and how long the process is and like she's been doing lots of laboratory you know research work and um, we've been talking about that and um, how she's like excited for the fall and throughout like for example back in middle school um, she would always like support me during like science olympiad like being there at the um, competitions and um give me words of encouragement and um, maybe like even outside of care, like go out and like, just like have some time together and just talk about um, certain stuff, even like, you know, stuff outside of cure and like school and just updating each other on stuff that we got going on. I'm going to tell you that I had a chance to listen to you and your colleagues as you were putting on your gowns. And the thing that kind of amazed me, you guys are really kids. <laughs> you laugh, you joke. Talk up a little bit about the experience with the other people in the group and how it is kind of, you kind of encourage each other, which I thought was, was fascinating as I was, as I was like the fly on the wall listing in. Um, during, for example, like Saturday programming and um, the times that we're together, um, we use, instead of like outside of like, you know, the care activities we have to do and like research projects, we usually talk to each other about like just school life and like this school events. And, and since we're seniors, like now talk usually about senior events and everything, which is pretty exciting. Cause like everyone has their different, you know, different things going on and just updating each other, updating each other about stuff. I know this, that most of your colleagues come from West Baltimore. I had a chance to query, well, what part of West Baltimore? There is a lot of West Baltimore. Dr. McGinnis, why did you target that particular area? So I think, you know, when the program first launched, um, the university has an anchor mission to West Baltimore. It actually stretches beyond CURE to other outreach programs as well. So it was very intentional 
to recruit these young people from West Baltimore middle schools by design. We are your neighbor. <laughs> uh, you know, we're not going to reach across to some other, you know, part of town. We've got young talent right here in West Baltimore. So um, that was on purpose as a part of the university's thought process of, of how to invest and support these communities and, and really provide the opportunities that they don't always have access to. I want to drill down on this, uh, Dr. McGinnis. Aisha is part of the first class that you actually groomed. I guess that's the, the, the proper way to put it but you have more young people in the pipeline. Can you talk about who's, who's still there and how are you planning to use Aisha and this first class to assist? Right, and so they're now, our cohort one scholars are now alumni. Um, I told the scholars, you know, it comes with responsibility, right? So we didn't have this training for y'all over the course of seven years, for you to go off and play games and, you know, you're now a leader, you, you know, an adult <laughs> uh, and you're a role model for these other scholars that are still in the program. Looking at Aisha, like Kat was, you know, her role model. It's like, oh, I want to be like Aisha. I want to go to Spelman and get the scholarship and da, 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 da. Like that's really the hope is that, you know, these cohort one scholars and the ones coming after can kind of thread themselves back and be an influence to our existing scholars. Aisha, let's go on and tell the audience where you're going to college, what you're going to study, and what you and your fellow colleagues hope for, for the future. Okay, so I'm in the fall, I'm going to, going to Spelman College and I'll be majoring in biology and minoring in African diaspora studies. Now, explain to the audience, you were a part of a series of students who talked about your experience in the CURE program. Let's find out a little bit about your hopes and desires. Okay, so um, my hopes and desires, um, of course, still staying in like the STEM field, um, taking ad, taking opportunities to um, do more internships um, relating to um, my future career, which is uh, being a pediatrician and healthcare advocate. So making sure that I do lots of internships, research projects throughout college and community-based um, activities to like, of course, help the community, um, even with relate, STEM-related stuff, but also, you know, just getting back to the community and like, you know, my, in, in, in college too. And also um, making sure that I go to medical school and take advantage of, you know, in order to become a doctor and get a PhD. I believe you're a first generation yes. college students. Talk about what that conversation was like with, with the people in your family. Well, through the, through the college process, since like being a first gen, it was very difficult because even until now, I'm constantly like updating my parents about everything because they don't have no clue of like how the process is. So just making sure I update them about 
like for example FAFSA was like a big thing that was like very difficult because like they're just so unaware of like how that process is so like you know having to do a mostly on my own is like the main thing I've learned and it also um makes you become more independent like more independent like being a first gen student but also it helps you um be more connected with your family so like I've built a better relationship with my like my mother and my father like with like support wise because you know they're like so unaware of like you know the college you know process. Dr. McGinnis that was part of that process that you guys knew was important that you can train these young people, but what do you do with them? Talk to that, if you will. And I think that, you know, Aisha was talking about parental support. And one of the things we did with our college career readiness program as we were creating it was to have parent success workshops where we invited parents to come and dialogue with us about the college process, about financial aid. Um, and now that, you know, the scholars are going on to college, it doesn't really end like it's every year you've got to kind of have an understanding of these things. And um, luckily, the college campus itself has resources. And so one of the things we want to do is make sure our scholars are armed with who on your campus can be a support to you on financial aid, on study skills, um, you know, making sure that that support and that you know, being armed with that knowledge of how to get help, um, you know, is really important. Well, first of all, let me thank both of you. Uh, the last voice you heard was Dr. Gia Greer McGinnis. She's the executive director of the UMB Chura Scholars Program, which helps young people who want to get involved in STEM. And Aisha Youssef. She is one of the first graduates of the program and is now heading to Spelman College. Ladies, thank you so very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. I've been talking to Dr. Gia Greer McGinnis, the executive director of the UNB Cura Scholars Program, and Aisha Youssef, who is in the inaugural graduating class of Cura Scholars. I'm Charles Robinson. And you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. We have to take a brief break. When we come back, a conversation with the head of the University of Maryland's ENT surgery, Dr. Rodney Taylor. Dr. Taylor knows a thing or two about coming from an area where no one believes you can succeed. He'll share his story and working with these young people from West Baltimore. But let's go back in time with Dr. Jay Perryman as he addressed the group of 11-year-olds and their parents about what they were about to enter into. We're here to make opportunity universal, to dismantle the barriers to access that prevent the young people in our neighborhoods from pursuing careers that save lives that make people healthier, happier, stronger. We're here to tell our young people that they can be whatever they want to be and that they can do whatever they want to do, even cure cancer. And so to all of our scholars, 
I've already told you that you're bright and curious and motivated and driven. But you're also brave. You are. You're our very first class of Cure Scholars. So that means you're pioneers, you're trailblazers, and you're going to help us make this program so good and so much fun that absolutely everyone will want to be a part of it. And I have a promise for you. We're not letting you go. There's no getting rid of us. We're going to stick with you through middle school. We're going to hold on to you through middle school and high school and college and beyond. And every step of the way, we'll be in your corner cheering for you, rooting for you. And believe me, there's going to be no one prouder of you than we are when you achieve everything you're capable of. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. On today's show, we're looking at the University of Maryland at Baltimore's Cure Scholars. It's a group of students who began their training when they were only 11 years old. Now they are in the inaugural class heading to college. Dr. Rodney Taylor is the chairman of the Otahinolary Othology at the University of Maryland. He trains surgeons in treating head and neck injuries. I am delighted to have Dr. Rodney Taylor. He is the professor and chairman of the Department of, I'm going to blow this, so I'm going to just keep it simple. He's in charge of head and neck surgery at the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Okay, you can tell me what the formal title is then. Well done. It's, uh, it's the uh, Department of Otorhinolaryngology Head and Neck Surgery. First and foremost, let's talk a little bit about what you do. You're doing some amazing work there. Uh, I know you're always busy, so we're we're appreciative of your time. Let people know the kinds of things that you're doing in the department, if you don't mind. Uh, of course, uh, and it is a pleasure to be here. And 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 so here at the University of Maryland, our depi- department, of, uh, we're going to say uh, ENT for the purpose of this dis- discussion, keep it really easy. Um, we cover uh, really all of the uh, aspects of uh, diseases and conditions, both surgical and non-surgical of the head and neck. And, and specifically for me, uh, that entails uh, treating patients with tumors, both benign and cancerous, in the mouth, the throat, the neck, the sinuses, the skull base. And, um, and, and I've been doing so here overall for a little over 20 years, but I've served as chair in this capacity of the department for uh, uh, the last four years. And really proud that here at the University of Maryland collectively, we've worked hard to establish a national reputation as one of the uh, leading departments in the country. And we've got a team of individuals, including myself, who first and foremost are dedicated to the care of patients in West Baltimore, uh, Baltimore in general, and the, the region and the state overall. And we advance clinical care 
we train the next generation of, uh, of surgeons, uh, and we do cutting edge research. And, and that would sort of explain our, our mission and our purpose. Well, being at the University of Maryland uh, at Baltimore, I know that you came in contact with the UMB Cure Scholars early on. Can you talk about that experience, if you don't mind? Sure. Um, I was invited um, by Dr. Perlman and his team when the work of creating a longitudinal program for our students in West Baltimore was starting to, to take place. It was becoming real. And I was asked to serve on the advisory board. And, and service is one of the you know, really important things that we do. And so I was honored to do so. And I learned very early on from Dr. Perlman what his vision was, the logistics, the partnership with the National Cancer Institute and our cancer center to fundamentally begin a program where we could identify you know, call it a few dozen students from a few schools in our neighborhood in West Baltimore, that, uh, that uh, being able to support them from their sixth grade through their high school careers with the intent of increasing underrepresented students in healthcare and cancer research. And as someone who had kind of was living that journey and that passion, I was very excited to be involved. I know these young people initially, I know the group, the initial group, I've seen video of them at the beginning. These folks have moved far beyond where they began. Can you talk to that idea of wherever you are, it's not where you're going? 100%. And, and, and just really inspired by their walk. And, you know, when these students came from, uh, come from areas in Baltimore, you know, that are um, met with all the challenges of an urban environment that we're aware of, and their home situation often was precarious, but what was solid was they'd show up to school. And, um, and learning and observing how they begin to change their dream and their capabilities is to me the part of the magic of mentorship. And these young students started as you know 11-year-old kids and, and now they're off to college and hearing their questions, watching their eyes go bright, hearing them present their science, their work and their research at, at, um, at, at scientific conferences that uh, were held locally and even in Washington DC. You know, I watched the evolution of their dream. And I, I think that speaks to the point that if you surround individuals and challenge them, no matter where they come from, um, we should not be the least bit surprised on how high they can rise. And these individuals certainly um, have risen in a, in a most excellent way. And they have been inspiring to watch uh, their journey and their evolution. I'm gonna tell you for the little time that I had to interact with them, I had to be reminded of they're still kids <laughs> and they do kid type things. Uh, did you find that to be the case as well? Absolutely, and it's it's to me that is um, that's great because you know that they're having a an experience as a kids as kids that we're you know we're not you know 
when, when they don't have that experience, something is uh, taken away from them. They should be kids. And, um, and kids will do the unexpected. But in parallel, uh, they will also amaze and marvel you. And these kids did exactly that. And yes, they are kids and you read their accomplishments and you forget they are, they are kids who like doing what kids do, will make mistakes that kids do, will rebound and bounce back and, uh, and soar like kids can. And these kids did all of that. I want to talk a little bit about your, your mission to them as you were giving the keynote to, to them. A couple of things that stood out was this whole idea. People will question whether or not you belong. For me, there are a couple things, lots of things important, but there are a couple focus points that I like to make sure I urge mentees and younger people to, 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 to hold on very dearly to. And one is to protect their confidence um, because uh, it, will have, it will have assaults to it, um, but it fundamentally will allow you to rebound and to be resilient and so forth. And the other thing is to um, be honest with yourself about your hard work. And if your work ethic is similar to the person next to you, then I'm going to encourage you to work even harder. And, and so my journey has informed me that in subtle ways and not so subtle ways, people will question you, uh, people will doubt you. And I don't want those questions or those doubts to surprise those young men and women. I want them to anticipate them. I want them to be prepared for those questions and, and, um, and the suggestions that maybe they don't belong. Um, and I want them very well prepared for that. And so my message to, to this group is be ready for it. You know, don't, don't let it uh, impact your stride um, and don't let it impact your confidence and absolutely don't let it impact your work ethic. Um, and so that was a little bit of what I was trying to convey to them. I wanna talk a little bit about the horizon. What do you see because this is the first group that's actually finished this process. And now there's a group behind them. What's on the horizon? For, for the trailblazers, you know, their, you know, their results speak for themselves. You're talking about students who often would not have had aspiration for college. There were 140 college acceptances. That's just amazing in this uh, particular environment. So for those behind the initial trailblazers, the bar has now been set. There, there is a target of excellence that is visible, um, that is well-documented, and those who are behind them, you know, that becomes now their floor. They can begin to dream and touch um, and go even higher, but for the accomplishments and the work of this inaugural class. So the, the, the horizon for those who follow, we haven't seen the height of it yet. Um, I'm encouraged that those who come beyond will begin to expand their dreams even more and that there will be some benefit in, in terms of communication with what will be their, uh, their peers and peer mentors who have gone through it 
that they will give them feedback and that they will benefit from that. And um, it will enhance their experience, their confidence, their dreams. And so I think we've only begun to see um, some of the potential uh, that we will see going forward. It is not lost on me that you're an African-American leading a major surgical department. There are a whole hell of a lot of you out there. Are you trying to prime the pump so that there will be? 100%. And when you say there's not a lot, uh, you know, I was somewhat uh, shocked and disappointed to find out that I am the first African-American ever to be the chair of a um, department of otolaryngology. And, and now there's uh, another uh, shortly beyond me. And so, you know, in the rich history of our specialty that dates back to the 1950s, um, you know, to me, uh, that's a problem. We need to accelerate it. And so I've cast a net and made it clear uh, to my peers around the country uh, that if there are promising students who are out there, I regularly and routinely meet with them. We set up Zoom calls when we're at conference. I sit down, I have coffee with them, I have lunch with them. You know, I want to not only understand what their dreams are, I want to be able to be a sponsor for those dreams. And so I'm very intentional in our department and in our specialty and beyond our specialty to try to touch individuals the way that I've been touched in a way that I've had mentors who have um, bolstered me um, at critical times in my journey. And, and I absolutely want to pay that back as often as I can. It's Dr. Rodney Taylor. He's in charge of head and neck surgery. That's the easiest way to put it, ENT, I believe you called it, <laughs> at the University of Maryland at Baltimore. And he's been talking to us about the Cure Scholars. Dr. Taylor, thank you so very much for all the work that you did. My pleasure. Thank you. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City here on 88.1 WYPR. We have to take another break, but don't you go anywhere. When we come back, you'll hear from the class of 2022 and the message to their peers. And my name is Marquia Eubanks, and I've been in, I've been a part of the Cure Scholars program since I was in the sixth grade, and it has consistently opened doors for me and given me ample tools to pursue a career in STEM. With the opportunities given to me, I now have lab skills, research skills, networking skills, and many more. I have also been able to gain lifelong mentors and advisors that I know I can reach out to anytime that I'm having academic or even life issues. I just want to say that I'm grateful for everything that the program has passed my way and I have taken advantage of all of it. I can't wait to come back in the future to share my experiences with the next cohorts to come. Thank you. Thank you all for being here taking time out of your schedules to celebrate our first graduating cohort of 2022. Clap for them real quick. In front of you, you have scholars who have dedicated their dedicated themselves time and time again to this program and to their academic achievements. Before you, you have young women like Aisha who are going to prestigious colleges like Spelman. We have young men who are going to colleges such as Temple and also colleges within the UM system and me who's going to UMS. 
So I want y'all to look to y'all lefts and look at these scholars who, who have broken barriers, stereotypes, and look good while doing it. <laughs> so why y'all looking left? Even though they may not be your scholar, I want you to be proud of them because we may be the first of this program, but we most definitely will not be the last. I'm gonna give three pieces of advice to my fellow cohort mates and the rest of the scholars that are here today. Number one, stop playing with your potential. Go after many opportunities. Number two, always seek help when needed. Every challenge that you face isn't meant for you to deal with alone. There's absolutely nothing wrong with asking questions and needing assistance, because that's what CURE is all about. And number three, give back to your community by leaving your mark, by doing what you love now and in the future. Thank you. We'll be right back. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WIPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. The UMB Cure Scholars Program was based on an idea, if you want to see change in the STEM fields, you have to prepare young people for the challenges the industry faces with a diverse labor force. It's one thing to say it, it's a challenge to make it happen. In our last segment, a message from those who went through the process and their challenge to their classmates. You'll hear from Shakir Franklin, Marquia Eubanks, Princia Saunders, and Aisha Youssef. First up is Shakir Franklin, who gave a shout out to Dr. Robin Saunders, who was the Cure Scholars' first executive director. It's been a while since I've done one of these. My voice is a bit different. <laughs> uh, looking out at all your faces, some that I've known for so many years now, and some that I'm just seeing for the first time, I just want to say thank you. One face that will forever stand out to all of us is Dr. Saunders. Man, just clap for us, please. Dr. Saunders, I know it wasn't always you, but many times it was, you know. <laughs> and uh, just her and about 20, 30, 11, turning 12 year olds, and I tell you, she never fell behind. She was learning dances, you know, doing lyrics. She even played football with us, and she all time QB. She's really good at it. <laughs> she created bonds with each and every one of us that, as you can see today, is still so strong and they still growing. So our many mentors, you spent so much time with us, like we really, Mr. Josh, my mentor, Miss Katie, y'all, he became everyone's mentor. And just thank y'all for that. Thank everyone our mentors spent time for us. It was beautiful. We can't forget our parents, you know, waking us up every Saturday, uh, picking us up late nights from school, forcing us to go to curb when we were like too tired to go. <laughs> Without our parents, none of us will be here. Literally, because you had to like sign papers and everything. Uh, <laughs> finally, to my brothers and sisters of Cold War One, we did it. Yeah. So waking up early mornings, you know, brushing your teeth while you putting your socks on, because you know you gotta be the care. We did it, man. 
telling people like for so many years, well, I can't really make it because I have like the scholarship ground I go to in the morning. So like, can you take pictures for me? Like we did it. We did it. We knew we did it because we knew how special it was. And that cure could change our lives and the lives of so many kids just like us. And it did, like Cole ate in a few months. Remember our white coat ceremony that was like, yeah. We have lived through so much just growing up in West Baltimore. And I'm proud to say each and every one of us is strong and resilient. You believed in us and your support has made us strong and gave us the power to succeed. We will change the world. It all began when we were just little sixth graders. And now look at us, graduating seniors. And we will show the future generations how to make the impossible possible. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. I'll have some thoughts about this group. Once again, let's go back in time and hear from the late Congressman Elijah Cummings as he addressed the students at their very first lab coat ceremony. Our children being in a, as a part of this program will open doors for them and open their eyes so that they can dream. I'm tired of people telling our children to dream when they never see anything. The mere idea that they can come to a great institution like this and have the top person in the institution show up, but not only show up, but bring with him a sense of compassion. See, it's not enough just to see you. Then you gotta bring some compassion. And that's what this is all about. Compassion is defined as having empathy and sympathy and trying to make things better. Trying to heal the pain. Trying to get rid of the hopelessness. And I'm not here to tell you that our, oh, can I, that I'm not here to tell you that our children are hopeless. But there are so many factors, as you already said, Dr. Perriman, that is working against them every single day. Welcome back. I'm Charles Robinson, and you're listening to Future City, the monthly show here on 88.1 WYPR, where we move the conversation from what's wrong to what's next. You've heard a number of voices during this show which talked about possibilities and choices. One of those was the late Congressman Elijah Cummings. He often talked about children being our message to the future. Unfortunately, he didn't live long enough to see these children excel in unimaginable ways, and their journey is just beginning. Someone took a chance, and they continue to take chances on the class of 2022. The University of Maryland at Baltimore didn't have to step out on faith. What they saw is a business idea, ROI. It stands for return on investment. Were there challenges? Yes. Were there issues outside of the academic setting? Yes. Many of these students 
are the first in their family to seek a college degree. The young people coming behind them now have a roadmap. It won't be easy, and coming back to West Baltimore has its own challenges. The problems they leave behind will sometimes haunt their dreams. Fixating on these issues will sometimes have them lose sight of the bigger prize. They are urged to focus. Their mentors, families, and yes, their community are counting on them to exceed and excel. It will get lonely. I'm reminded of their first experience when they got their lab coats. The joke was, they were too big. Don't worry, they will fill them out with the knowledge. This inaugural class belongs in this environment of science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. Thank you to today's guests for sharing their expertise and allowing us to hear their knowledge. Future City is produced and edited by Spencer Bryant. You can listen to extended conversations with all of our guests and find out more about them by visiting the WYPR.org website and search for Future City. We welcome your feedback, and you can email us with your thoughts and questions about the show. You can do that by going to Future City, that's one word, at WYPR.org. Until next time, I'm Charles Robinson for 88.1 WYPR and my producer, Spencer Bryant, and everyone who makes Future City possible. We hope your dreams of tomorrow become a reality. I'm your host, Charles Robinson. Future City is made possible by McCormick and Company. Through its Flavor for Life program, McCormick helps teach kids and families in Baltimore how to replace salt, sugar, and fat. More information can be found at McCormickCorporation.com.